Hi, my name's Oliver Twinch. I'm the director on Hawking, Can You Hear Me? Hi, I'm Anthony Geffen, uh, and I'm the producer of Hawking, Can You Hear Me? Stephen was recognised as a rising star. I was with my father when he met the Pope. Who else could have lived such a dramatic life and ended up immortalised? But people didn't scratch beneath the surface. Our family life was really hard. I just felt like throwing myself in the river. For the first time, the Hawking family give an intimate account of their life with the world's most famous physicist. I've never talked to anyone about that, and that was 23 years ago. That is a trailer from the documentary Hawking, Can You Hear Me? And this is Factual America. We're brought to you by Alamo Pictures, an Austin and London-based production company making documentaries about America for international audiences. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. This week it is my pleasure to welcome the award-winning filmmakers behind Hawking Can You Hear Me, producer Anthony Geffen and director Oliver Twinch. Their film brings to life the man behind the persona of legendary theoretical physicist and cosmologist Stephen Hawking, and in the process reveals the impact fame and disability had on those closest to him. Anthony and Oliver, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you, uh, Anthony? Good, great. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And Oliver? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thank you for, ha- for having us on. Okay, well, it's a pleasure. Um, the as a, as our audience should know by now, the uh, film is Hawking. Can you hear me? It released in September on Sky Documentaries, and available to stream here in the UK on Now TV. Um, guys, is it? Uh, Streaming anywhere else? Uh, are international audiences able to see this yet? Yeah, it's going to go out. It's going to go out around the world, but um, it will go out the world around the world next year um, okay. because there may be various cinema. Before it's a cinema film, and there may yes. be various cinema releases before it goes out elsewhere in the world. Okay, well, uh, do keep us posted because we can always re-release this uh, as as those releases happen. Uh, we we certainly, in terms of getting the word out, so. Um, um, thanks again. It's a it's a pleasure to have both of you on, um, Oliver. Maybe you can get us started. And for those uh, our audiences who haven't seen this, um, give us a little synopsis. What is what is Hawking? Can you hear me? All about uh, Hawking? Can you hear me? Is a the story of Professor Stephen Hawking, the late Professor Stephen Hawking, uh, theoretical physicist uh, who was an icon of the the twentieth century uh, and theoretical physics. And he rose to prominence, uh, really, with his book, A Brief History of Time, which was published in 1988. And that really catapulted him from being uh, an academic into being a kind of a a rock star physicist who was known on the global stage. Um, And his life was a really remarkable one. uh, And his physics that he kind of worked on was also incredibly remarkable. But what's very little told is the human story, uh, and that's what this film uh, set out to tell. Okay, I mean, I think as you as you mentioned, um, this is a life that's played out in front of international media. I mean, for God's sake, you got Benedict Cumberbatch and Eddie Redmayne have both played him. Um, we've got he had the same chair at Cambridge that uh, uh, you know Sir Isaac Newton had. This rare combination of celebrity and and scientist, best-selling author. Although I would claim. 
I mean, I don't know. I'll speak for myself, but it was always one of those books that was on the bookshelf. But I, I can't. I have to say, I never actually got got through it. But uh, um, I mean, you say you're trying to bring this life to him, Anthony. What I mean is this what is this what captured your attention in terms of doing this project, uh, trying to bring this un, or 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 maybe what maybe what are we gonna what are we gonna see that we haven't seen before? Well, I think in the very beginning when I was thinking about this film, um, really there had been a lot of scientific films made about him. And what interested me was here was an icon, a man in a, in a wheelchair, and we knew very little about the real person because that's he didn't particularly talk about himself in that way, neither did anybody else. Um, mm. And so from the very beginning, it was clear very special access was going to be needed. Uh, and I met about four or five years ago with, with him, actually on the pretext of doing something else, doing a, uh, doing a VR film about the universe with him. Uh, and we got on very well. And we are, actually, that hasn't come out. It'll come out next year. But we started a dialogue that I wanted to start, which is about, mm. would he be prepared for a film to be made about him that hadn't been made before? One that you know, had other people around him speaking and was, was a very honest film, you know, um, and that's the only film we, we really wanted to make, you know, a film that yeah. really got to the bottom of who he was. Okay. And uh, Oliver, what, what do you think are some of the main misconceptions about Stephen Hawking in his life as you got in on the project and what, what you discovered as you started filming this? Well, I, I think one of the things that, that's really kind of, I was quite interested in was and, and Anthony was that that he almost was like a kind of a there's a as an icon and put on a pedestal there you can somehow become slightly two-dimensional and you have kind of a, a presence and a persona which is there for the audience and for the cameras and for the big stage mm. and and yet what's going on behind the scenes uh is is much less understood I think the intimacy that, that, that Anthony talked about um, of his personal life and his relationships uh, and the challenges he faced uh, are ones that have less been explored, largely because there hasn't been the ability to explore those with the people who were so important in his life. I think what we had here was the extraordinary access that, that Anthony had got with the family um, and persuaded them to, to take part in this project. And so what you see is this much more kind of intimate family picture uh, that kind of tells the story of how difficult it was, I think. Mm -hmm. I think, sort of, in a way, he was a man who came on stage, he spoke, he had his computer voice, he was able to give speeches uh, with, with, you know, amazing pictures and things like this, and you forget how difficult it was to actually put that show on the road mm. to get to that point was actually extraordinarily difficult. And this is something that his daughter Lucy talks about is just how difficult it was just to put one sentence together um, could take an extraordinarily long time. Uh, and on this public stage, it happens at a click of a switch and it's all pre-recorded. but actually the, the way in which what they had to go through to get to that stage was quite extraordinary. I think really we were like exploring the sheer challenges that he faced, the reality of it. And mm -hmm. if you know how difficult things were and how challenging things were through his everyday life, you came to understand more 
how extraordinary his triumphs were. Yeah, I mean, I'm, indeed. I mean, I think it's, uh, as you say, the... the um, uh, I mean, he also... I mean, to a degree, he played up the persona, though, didn't, didn't he? I mean, and he was a very private man. Uh, so I, it almost it almost required being told through the eyes of those close to him in I order think, to, think, to get yeah, to it. Right. I think um, he was a very private man. And actually, when, when we started to get involved in this film, you could see there were very few people around him who really understood what was happening and what happened in his life. <clears throat> and we needed those people to speak, and not only speak, but speak honestly. So mm. I think the first thing was to get was to get him on board to, to agree to releasing all sorts of things he hadn't released before, having conversations about his life. But then the most important thing was to uh, have interviews with the four or five people who were around him who were there, because that's, that's where the truth lies. The truth doesn't lie with people who, you know, maybe wrote an academic paper with him. They can right. comment on him professionally, but we wanted yeah. to, Ollie and I wanted to really understand the human here and that's much, much harder, much, much harder. And of course, you know, Ollie does this so cleverly in the film. He juxtaposes different points of view, which allows you as an audience mm -hmm. to sort of make your own mind up. And I think that's important. You know, the decision Ollie made not to go with any narration is, is substantial. It makes the film extremely hard to make, but much more powerful to watch. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's the director's job to make the producer's life hell hell isn't it to do uh, <laughs> to do something that you uh, that makes it harder but uh, no i think that's a very good point um and and you do um i mean how was that in filming the you know cuz you say it's these four to five people specifically his children his first wife uh his sister and then and then there's a, a another layer i guess um i mean these people it's it's a very intimate story for them this is their certainly the children this is their upbringing this is their there's a lot of i mean oliver how did you find that filming them because they are very they do expose themselves in a way that uh, maybe they've never had before well i think it's probably a question for, for anthony because i came onto the project at the stage yeah. where some of these early key interviews had already that anthony had kind of filmed them already yeah. um and then then I came on to kind of like fill it out. So people like his sister uh, right. and Helia James were people who we kind of brought on board uh, later. But those key interviews, which are so raw and powerful and extremely open and candid, were ones that, that, that Anthony um, produced and was there for the interviews as well. So it'd be better to talk about that. Okay. I mean, I think, I think the, you know, and you, you met all the family, obviously, Ollie, mm. and, and were able to take, you know, to take it, the filming in a different direction as well. But I think, I think the family took a lot of, a lot of, uh, a long time to trust because it's very easy to be burned. But, you know, mm. we, we have a track record of making films at Atlantic and the films that Ollie yeah. himself made, which I think people can see, you know, working with Obama, Attenborough, Judy Dench, you know, the House mm. of Commons. The Queen and the Coronation. Yeah, there's a there's a trust level here that that we had to get across that they that, that they would allow us to to really push those interviews so we could get what we believe is the truth of what happened. Yeah. Uh, that's very hard, and it took time. It took months and months and months to get that confidence. Uh, even though we'd done films, many films where you know other people had trusted us, and, and films had turned out extremely well for them. But we were we were asking to trust us because we wanted to tell the truth here. And I think we were, it's a little an odd period. I think when, when Stephen Hawking died, I think a lot of reflection was going on in the family. 
because mm. the you know you see in the film lots of tough things happened and i think that was possibly the right moment not long after that a year after that or so mm. where they were prepared once and once only and i said why don't we do this once make a film that really tackles everything and put everything on the table we're not going to not tackle things because we're going to make a a view of his whole life the human story and i think they bought into that and they trusted us but it took in some cases several interviews because it was very painful what they had experienced was very painful in some cases and that's mm. not easy uh, yeah. and we to be honest with you standing there it's one of some of the toughest interviews i've ever been involved in because you could feel the pain was palpable in the room yeah. and there were sort of the crew was 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 feeling that pain you know that they yeah. felt but there were very very powerful interviews and there were very they're amazing that they put themselves through it but i think they put themselves through it knowing that this was the film where once and once only they could trust and it would tell the true story yeah i think uh, and i think that's uh, worth uh, reiterating that these are some very powerful interviews and it's very very apparent that they are of what they're putting themselves through to in order to 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 share their story um and yet like all great films um and, and documentaries this is this is about as as much as it is it about Stephen Hawking and his family it's about so, so many other things i guess it's uh it's a lot it's an insight into what it's like to have motor neuron disease and disabilities and what it has on the impact that has on families um uh what may actually with all these challenges be achievable i guess i guess it's the what's it like living a life where you always think that day is going to be your last um, I mean, is that something you were true, very... But I think it's yeah. also... Yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. It's, it's also, though, about... Come on, in this interview, they actually talk about being pushed, or Jane does, being pushed to the edge of, of suicide. Or yeah. Lucy talks about this, the, the dilemmas of, of, of what we deal with in the film, pushing her to become an alcoholic. These are serious problems, yeah. you know, and yeah. they're very hard. To air. I mean, we sometimes literally had to just pause in the filming because we were churning up things that, mm. that they'd had in there, but they hadn't really dealt with yet. And they were dealing with on camera. That's very powerful. But you also have to be very careful because, you, you know, these, these are people's human emotions and feelings as well. Mm. And we were filming quite a lot of people who hadn't necessarily spoken about um, Stephen since his uh, passing. And, and it was very kind of powerful for them while we were doing the interview and it required a lot of talking to them in advance um and also giving a lot of time for the interview so that you weren't rushing things through and it's giving the time and the space to explore those emotions and to kind of reminisce and to kind of kind of draw things together mm. um and so as filmmakers you have to be better factor in a lot of time to allow that to happen uh, much more smoothly and not to try and kind of push things, push things, push things, which you get a lot of filmmaking has to be very crunched, but these were such mm. kind of emotive parts for them that you had to really yeah. kind of give them space. Yeah. And, and may I just say one thing as a American expat who's been living here for a while, uh, in some ways, some of these interviews are very, uh, very quintessentially English. The, the, the sort of English understatement that underlies a lot of these interviews and stories that I think makes them even more poignant you know, uh, that uh, don't normally the, the people in these positions don't normally talk about these things full stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's an interesting story because around the, the Stephen Long story, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of 
bits right. of controversy. There's a lots of bits of other things. So in a way, and I think this is proved with the film, by bringing these things out, it sort of puts to bed a number of things and actually shows the things that maybe would be less good, but in perspective of a bigger picture of a yeah. still a, br a brilliant man. And that's, that's the juxtaposition of the story. A lot of people might have gone for then sensationalism and sort of started yeah. knocking hawking. I think we, we, we started out with a genius. We ended with a genius, but we yeah. ended yeah. with a genius who, who had failings like us all. And the human story exactly. is a much harder story to tell. If we'd just told the science story again, to be honest with you, that would have been an easy ride. You know, it wouldn't have taken four years. But it took a long time because it needed trust and it needed yeah. understanding and it really needed to get to that next level of B. I hate the word definitive, but in a way it is a definitive film, but it's a definitive film with all the elements in it and all the pain yeah. and, and anguish. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you just want purely the science, maybe there's other places. You, you've got it in there, but there's probably other places to go. Um, if you want the love story, well, we know about that. Uh, in terms we of, we have the, the love story in the movie, I think. And, you know, yeah, yeah, but you've got that. Yeah, yeah. But you've got it all there. Yet it's this side that, as you say, that hasn't really we haven't seen this. Uh, I mean, it's it's the theme of many great documentaries, which is this flawed people are capable of amazing and great things, and we all have our flaws. And obviously, he and those around him had theirs, and we get and we we it probably makes I don't know to me personally. I'm just speaking for myself. Um, I, I, it makes me—I don't know—some in a way makes makes him more approachable or more easily. Um, 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 I don't know. Uh, something that I can relate to him better uh, than I did before. What do you, were you about to say? Something, Oliver? I think that was, that's precisely what the aim was: was to make him relatable. And then we talked about yeah. earlier about him having this kind of public persona that people knew about through the press um but the press also meant that he was a very private person and they didn't want to kind of let too many people in because it's press, press intrusion and people kind of looking into your light is, is very difficult and so i think here we wanted to make him a man again and there's the one of the things that his son robert had said at his eulogy mm. and then how he ended was that you know he was his father uh, ultimately at the end of it. And this is what we wanted to tell the story of, was a man who was a father, he was a husband, he was a brother. Um, and these were human kind of relationships that we can all re relate to. Um, and there are things in there and it makes it, because you see this intimacy in these personal stories, there are things which then chime with different people. People can relate to uh, difficulties within your family. They can relate mm -hmm. to, uh, I don't know, your your father who might be a little bit distant at times. They People will know people have experienced directly the difficulty and challenges of uh, dealing with someone who is very ill or an, an, in, a, in, a, in a difficult situation. And I think those, once you explore those themes, which are very human themes, it makes them become someone who is more three-dimensional, someone who can understand on an emotional level. And I think as, as Lucy said within the film, she said, you know, he, he wasn't also, there's a public persona, there's also the academic. He wasn't mm -hmm. an ivory tower genius. He, he was a human and he was a person. And that's the story we really wanted to kind of get across. Okay. I think that takes us to uh, going to give our listeners a, an 
early break and uh, give our, let our sponsors say a word. And so we'll be right back with uh, Anthony Geffen of Atlantic Productions and Oliver Twinch, uh, the filmmakers behind Hawking Can You Hear Me? You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with award-winning filmmakers Anthony Geffen and Oliver Twinch. Uh, The film is Hawking, Can You Hear Me?, released in September 2021 on Sky Documentaries and streaming on Now TV here in the UK. Uh, Should be out for international release sometime next year, we think, but watch this space. Uh, It's gotten rave reviews here in the UK. Telegraph, Radio Times, I see The Guardian... Uh, five stars. This intimate portrait of genius physicist Stephen Hawking shows the true toll of his physical decline on his family via revealing interviews with his first wife and children. A startling, harrowing look at Stephen's secret life. So that's what we've been discussing. Uh, Antti, what do you think Stephen would say about this, Doc, if he could see it now? That's a really hard, actually. Um, I think the best way of describing it is that the family having seen the completed film yeah. um, uh, felt it was uh, something that they were you know very proud to have taken part in and and had a strong message I mean they accepted like, obviously there are highs and lows in the film for everybody and different angles but that, and they and I think they gave the impression to me uh, and to Ollie that, that that Stephen would have been overall happy with this film I mean in, in anything you do in your life you have highs and lows so, you know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, when you see the highs and the lows all together, as long as the portrait's right, and I think they, mm-hmm. they felt there was a portrait. And I think they even said there was quite a lot in there that they didn't know, which is a real, uh, you know, mm. uh, compliment to, uh, to Ollie, really. Yeah. Oh, I think, uh, no, I think that uh, that is, uh, that comes out. That's a very uh, uh, interesting point. I mean, they, because they, I know there'd been sort of, different fallings out and things here and there. But by, by the end of his life, he and his children had come, they'd all reconciled, hadn't they? And they were um, back on, roughly on, on speaking terms. Is that, is that correct? Uh, very much so. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, he was, he was writing books with Lucy yeah. um, and they were doing talks together. Uh, he, clearly you hear in the, in, in the film stories about, um, uh, Tim, who's there as well, he's still in England. Uh, Robert's kind of in America, so he's okay. he's, he's much further away. So he's living uh, in the states. But they clearly they have a there's a this reconciliation which comes about uh, later in his life. So I think that's kind of very powerful for them um, and means a lot to them as well. Yeah, and then, and Anthony, as you already said, we don't need to go into specifics here, but you know there were these controversies about his life and his family life, and those are dealt with here, and opportunities are given for various people to um, to have their say. Um, but I mean, you you were talking about how this got started. I mean, did you, uh, Anthony? Was this in terms of this project? You you you're working with them on something else. So it was your idea uh, to. And then you approached the family. Is that how it how it worked? No, it was, I was talking to him um, <clears throat> about a, a, a VR project, and it's quite yeah. interesting VR because w- when you try VR and you put your headset on and yeah. you move your head, and then you're in a 360 world. But the trouble is, he couldn't 
movies head. So I had right. to completely adapt a virtual reality headset for him. But he right. loved it. He absolutely loved it. And we soon got underway with a, with a project which we'll release next year where you'll literally go through Stephen Hawking's mind in VR off into the universe. It'll be very oh, spectacular. Wow. But, uh, wow. and, I mean, just to give you an idea of the physics, there are several planets that we hadn't quite visualized at that time because we didn't know what they looked like. Yeah. And since death, we found out that he did visualize the planets in exactly the right way. This is the sort of extraordinary perception of physics yeah. that he understands yeah. the universe. But as I spent more time with him, and, you know, this was a man who would take four hours to get out, you know, to get to, to the office, as it were, and have two mm. hours in the office, very short windows, and then have to go home again. He was really, you know, having to struggle to get through his workload. But uh, as I got to know him a little better, I, I suddenly realized that actually, you know, there really was a film here. Now, people don't really like films being made about themselves, and they tend to shy away and say, oh, it's only about my science. But, but I was able to get his support um, to make a film about, you know, which is vital, because he, you know, he was a very opinionated guy. If he didn't want it mm. made, it wouldn't have been made, full stop. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he had, he, had, he had an amazing presence, you know, when you were in a room with him in his in his um, in Cambridge, you know, he would an eye would flicker, and people would know that he was in favour or not in favour of something. I mean, there's a direct presence in a room. Anyway, having got that backing, obviously, I, I, and I could get access to his materials, his his photographs, and other things, and and talk to him about a certain number of things. It was quite clear that it was the family that was yeah. going to be able to take us through most of the story, and that started before Stephen died and then obviously continued after Stephen's death because because in a way that that became the big moment were they going to speak or were they not yeah. going to speak because yeah. I'd started discussions with them before it felt that it was had the blessing of Stephen anyway and that made it a lot easier but these are very very sensitive issues and mm. you know I, at that time I had no idea whether I was going to get I needed them all we couldn't just have one of them yeah. um, but it took a long time to get their confidence really mm. I mean, you do, you remind me, I actually know someone who was working for one of his, his foundations in the last few years of his life. And she, she said it was just incredible. This is what you were talking about his presence. She, she was tasked with organizing a fundraising event in record time. And she's like, there's no way I can do this in 90 days with this guest list. But then she would call up Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton would say, yeah, I'll be there. You know, and, and just this list of world leaders who would drop everything, forget they have some of the busiest schedules in the in, that you can imagine, would just like, oh, it's Stephen Hawking? Yeah, yeah, I, I can be there. You know, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite, 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 quite impressive, actually. Um, uh, Oliver, when did you come onto the project? So I came onto the project um, in 20, 20, 2020, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. Uh, and and it had been kind of commissioned by at this stage the the, inter the the four kind of main interviews had been done um, uh, and it had been commissioned by Sky and so then it was a question of then okay we've got this extraordinary golden resource yeah. of the amazing interviews uh, and this extraordinary story how do we then kind of weave it together uh, yeah. to create a powerful portrayal of, of, of Stephen the man um, and so that's then when we came in with going, okay, who else do we need to kind of interview to kind of bring this together? Yeah. How can we film it to make it feel like it's his story? Um, and how can we do things like illustrate the science yeah. um, in a different way so it doesn't feel like a science film? Yeah. And as you said, the science has been done in, in many different kind of series and films before. 
and we wanted to kind of keep it on the emotive level. Um, yeah. So that's where we started. <laughs> Just as you, you're talking about world leaders saying yes, uh, if you're filming in Cambridge for a film about Stephen Hawking, in which Stephen Hawking uh, Foundation has kind of has given its blessing, then yeah. it becomes a lot easier to suddenly film in in Cambridge colleges yeah. uh, at, at the drop of a hat uh, yeah. and, and and go to, to to different places. You find a lot of doors open very fast. Yeah. Um, and so that was, it really was then the key to kind of really to work out which were the bits of the story that would really help tell um, his journey uh, yeah. in, in, in the most kind of emotive way. Um, so that's, that was really got. Cool. I think, I think what's, what's unusual about this film, partly is because it obviously hasn't got narration, is, yeah. is all the way through the process that I was making it, tiny changes can, can change a much bigger view because you can, you know, balance can fall out on a, on, on mm. a person. So you think, this is the way they're going, and then they go in a different direction. And it's a, it's a, it's a very finely honed film to allow the audience to sort of go through that and make their own mm. view. But mm. very small changes could have a big impact on how we could see Hawking or see one of the uh, individuals in the film. Yeah, I think it's very important for us as well to that the aim, without having a narrator and having the the, the people who were most closely involved with him was to try and almost treat it part of it like a drama in that we wanted to have the people who were in the room when these things happened. So they're talking in first person testimony about things that they experienced. So it's as much a story about them as it is about Stephen in which Stephen mm. is the key character. So really the very much the aim was to try and almost have these scenes that were mm. in real time it, with through their eyes. So we weren't, it mostly wasn't hearsay. It wasn't something from a biographer. It was the people who were there at the time telling those stories and what it felt like for them at that moment. Yeah. Um, that was crucial to kind of working out who else we would interview and how we would interview them. Mm. And I mean, if it's fair to say, it's a largely a uh, chronological telling of the story did you, you know you are dealing with the author of a brief history of time who talked about time travel and things did you ever think about doing structuring it differently or is this the it was i mean was this the best way of of telling that story i think we we did play uh, as you do with uh documentary yeah. with, with, with changing things around and, and, and mixing things up um and uh but i think there's so much we what we what we what we kept um was that idea of time and timelessness and why we yeah. chose to film these, these, all the shots we have in Cambridge uh, where he spent most of his life yeah. were, we actually were as, em I mean, COVID and, and lockdown meant that oh, yeah. these were empty. So there was no one there, but they added a kind of a timelessness to these spaces that he had passed yeah. through himself. And we actually filmed these all at kind of, the eye level of his his um his wheelchair so we yeah. knew how 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 his wheelchair was and his 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 point of view and then that's why we kind of went down that route it was to kind of really um bring it to life in that way uh, i'm sorry i've forgotten where we were going with this but it was uh well, well it's I mean, just but, but i think one of the things you've got to realize is because because this film is partly about somebody who's only expected to, to, to last a couple of years. That's a good point. And then lasted many, many years beyond that. 
yeah. that the changes that you have in him relate to his motor neuron disease. So if you totally right. break the timeline, yeah. you're sort of all over the place because we yeah. really tackle that central yeah. issue. And so, we, you know, Ollie changes a little bit at the beginning, but we just realized that in the end, the chronology was actually very important because yeah. there's changes going on in him. And that's what the films, a lot of the films about. Yeah. We did also use, we kept Mary, his sister, um, as this almost portal back to sort of a, a younger time. Yeah. So that she, her, her reminiscences and her stories enabled point. us to kind of flash back to his childhood yeah. and to yeah. earlier stages of his life. So we, we didn't want to do a fully kind of chronological kind of birth to, to yeah. death yeah. story. Uh, we wanted to pick it up at a, at a, at a, at a sort of the, the point at which kind of his, his disease really kind of takes mm. over. Um, but then we use Mary's kind of interviews to enable us mm. to kind of flash back in time. So they are, throughout the film, we don't have them all bunched up at the top, but it allows us to kind of explore mm. these stories of his childhood and the and these little moments uh, that tell you something about him later. I mean, there's even stories in there which we didn't, we didn't have in, which we would have loved to. I mean, we, we kept the big fireworks in later on, but we had to take out for timing a, a story that she told us, which, uh, you know, Stephen's children didn't know about, that they had used to make fireworks as a kid. Okay. And their father had taught them how to make fireworks with gunpowder. And they used to go to the chemist to buy all the kind of uh, yeah. things to make them pop and whiz and fizz in, in, in more colourful ways. Yeah. And so fireworks were this extraordinary thing that were, were part of Stephen's life right up until the end he loved fireworks and had huge firework displays in his garden um and 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 those little moments and those little stories mm, like yeah. when like at golders green he stands up to sing this great big song right, right. Uh, they're quite telling about a character and so they were little things that allowed us to jump backwards and forwards in time mm. i think uh no i think that's that's really interesting, and uh, it just reminds me. I used to live near St Albans, and the story about him uh, going ice skating on the ponds there in the in the park. I'm like, that's their proof that there is global warming because I can't remember the last time those ponds have ever frozen over. But uh, you know, that's uh, that's uh, over fifty, nearly sixty years ago. Um, I mean, besides uh, COVID and all, in the things we've already talked about, what were the other big challenges in getting this? Uh, film to the screen um anthony is there uh... i think what i think always what was hard with this film was getting the confidence because it was a very small group of people and keeping the confidence to come out and say what had happened at each stage and and talk about yeah. it you know in an open and honest way and i think mm -hmm. that that was always the hardest the hardest thing at every stage i mean yes getting i'm sure ollie can talk to getting interviews done themselves of course they're hard and you have to go through those but it was this whole relationship of, of this small group of people who were going to be central to this film who we needed to keep on side and I think that I think you'd agree Ollie was probably the hardest start, hardest element of this film and that you know that took a long time you know if you take mm -hmm. it from the very beginning to when we got it uh, out uh, you know on the cinema screen as it were and, and then on Skype. I think it was very much that, and, and as Anthony said there, you, the, the, you, you take an interview, do an interview, but that's not the end point. Uh, the relationship continues and you need to kind of maintain kind of trust and collaboration 
uh, to ensure that you have all these other people need to come on board and all these other kinds of filming have to happen. And so mm. it is very much a, a process of continued kind of mm. um, relationships. Uh, and you need to kind of being aware of who they are, what kind of uh, sensitivities there might be, uh, how you can kind of um, tell a story in a different way and where you might go to be able to, to, to do that. Mm. Um, so it's... Uh, and yeah, practical challenges with with, yeah. with filming as they always are, but yeah. it's, it's a big part of the film. I think yeah, yeah, I think there's another part of that is that everybody wanted this film, but Sky were prepared to go the whole hog in terms of time and give us the time to make it. You know, there's a lot of broadcasters who yeah. just say we've got to get it on air on a certain date, and that's the end of it. And I think with this film we needed the time to get it right because, you know, this is a one-off film in a way. I don't think, I don't think the family will ever, are saying they will ever partake in, in, in any more filming. So mm. I think you're, you know, it was really important to us that we had the time to make it the way we wanted to make it. And that's, this, this film is quite a fragile film in many ways to get absolutely right. And Ollie, you know, did brilliantly. And I, but I think it needed time. And a lot of broadcasters, they don't give you time. That's it. I mean, that's interesting. It's, it's not meant to be a, a, a plug or an advert for Sky Docs, but uh, they are relatively new, aren't they, to the to the scene? Uh, is this something that you've you've discovered with them that they are they are taking this fresh approach, or maybe an older? Yeah, approach? I think they are. I think, but yeah. I think that's the approach. You know, if you're new on the block, you've got to come with different things. And I think their attitude. I can't talk about films that they haven't made with them, but I, I yeah. think there was certainly yeah. an attitude that this was a very special film. And this was to show how Sky could, you know, it's the sort of film Sky would make. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't know that, that, you know, the same time go with every film, but I think they, they realised to have quality films, you've got to give time, particularly when it's sensitive. And I would say that's, that's very, you know, Sky have established they're prepared to do that. I think a lot of other broadcasters, you know, time is money, aren't prepared to put that extra time money in, but mm. you wouldn't get a film like this in less than about four years. You just couldn't. It's, you yeah. know, it, yeah. it was very hard to make. Yeah. I mean, I think this raises some some interesting points, and we're we're starting to get towards the end of our our time together, unfortunately. But uh, um, especially, Anthony, with with your experience in, as CEO of Atlantic Productions, I mean, you know, a lot of talk about this or being a golden age of documentary. And uh, we had a guest recently on uh, who's now thinking that maybe we're going a little bit past that, actually. Um, I mean, from your perspective, what is uh, how maybe what's the state of the play, the state of union of doc documentary films in 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 your estimation, and also where are things headed? Because I know you do a lot of work with uh, uh, VR and these sort of things. I think I think first of all, you know, budgets are getting tighter. Um, there are less people making what I call really in-depth documentaries because yeah. they're expensive to make. Um, and so, you know, is it the golden age? Well, I think every so often great films keep popping up, but mm. I think it's nothing like it when I was at the BBC many years ago, you know, yeah. uh, for 10 years where there was an opportunity to make long, you know, films over a long period of time and in and lots of different ways. So I think that may be a different era. So I'm not saying documentaries are, are dead, but major documentaries are finding it harder to get into prime time. Mm. Uh, and that's harder because then there's less cost attracted to them. So yeah. I think it's harder to make great docs these days. I think the, the future is, is, is interesting because I think we thought for a long time that uh, YouTube would obliterate television. Well, it didn't because yeah. in the end, you know, you, you, you don't become a great director because you just make a home movie and stick it on YouTube. 
Uh, in fact, our problem is that we're getting less good storytellers because we're getting less people trained in the business to learn to really tell good stories. Mm. But there are new mediums coming. I mean, I, I like to say that we are now on the cusp of, of moving from the smartphone generation to the immersive generation. Mm. And all I can say is we've got a you know, full-time company working in the immersive era now. And I think that's a very, very exciting era. And it's only going to become exciting when everyone can have access to it. And it's not just dependent on a, on a VR headset, which some people like and others don't. It's literally something that will be played out with new technology, which is coming in the next few years, where you are immersed in a world, whether you want to create screens in that world or you want to go to a different place, interact. And I believe that's a big revolution. Will it, will it get rid of documentaries? No. But it will be a very powerful medium because, believe it or not, when you're in an immersive space, as we found and we've done tests on people and when we've been telling them stories, you react very strongly and, and your brain cells tend to buzz away. So I think that, that the future of storytelling is going to move on to other platforms. And mm. that's going to mean documentaries have got to do their things really well because they're going to be competing with a different world. They're never going to disappear, but they're going to have to work harder because they've had a nice run. 2D is, you know, is great. 3D was, was short-lived, but great. <laughs> yeah. but, but immersive storytelling can be 15 or 20 minutes at the moment in a, an immersive world. And we've already found that we can get millions of people to plug into these experiences. So, you know, I think the world's changing and I think that's good. And so it's, it does sound very exciting. I mean, we're, we're talking everything from cinemas are going to be cha transformed. Is that right? I mean, or potentially. Um, potentially, yeah, potentially. yeah. I think and, cinemas will still be great, but I think, I think what, what this means is you can get what, what you want, where you want, on the go, in an immersive environment that you can, okay. you, that you can control. And these are anything from... You know, we, we just finished uh, one with David, David Attenborough where you right. go into it's called Museum Alive and it's on, on Apple where you literally plug in, in your whole worlds are created on your desk and you interact with them. And that, that's mm. exciting for people. And that's just the beginning of it. Uh, yeah. And I think the interesting thing is we haven't yet seen where this is coming from, but I can tell you now working with some of the manufacturers, what's coming down the, the line is extraordinary and will allow us to tell It'll allow you to put Shakespeare on your table. It'll, I mean, it's very exciting. Wow, that's it's and 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 Sir David is is adapting like everyone else. I mean, he's he's amazing. David David is a brilliant storyteller, and so therefore, you know, having had ten years working with him, I, the, the beauty of this is that I can adapt things we made before in a three D world and and the BAFTA yeah. winning stuff. I can adapt now yeah. into this new world, um, and and uh, you know so. David will go on, go on to the latest platforms forever because he's a great storyteller and a great individual. Yeah, yeah. And, and Oliver, as a director, what's, what's, your, uh, what's your perspective on this and how is well, it affecting you? Well, I think you've also got, there's a, I mean, the streamers now uh, are kind of doing a lot more documentary making. And so you are seeing, in certain fields, you're seeing, you know, lots of more kind of like interest. And I think sort of the, because of lockdown, you had a huge rise in people's interest in documentaries and exploring lives and stories through fact and different ways of exploring it. Mm. Um, and I think, so I think there is still new ways in which things are being done for television and there's new audiences and there are new platforms for them to come out of as well. I think, so I, think you're, I think you're absolutely right on that. I mean, I, I don't want to in any way belittle the fact that the streamers are coming 
with larger budgets, big ambitions. Yeah. They almost want the cinema on television, and that's great. And I think I think that's fantastic. You know, I think maybe the terrestrials have got to work a bit harder. You know, uh, they they keep bleating they've got less money. Of course they have, but you know there are ways of getting good documentaries on the screen. But yes, there's no doubt the rise of the streamers is is bringing some some big budgets. The only trouble is there is a slight feeling, I guess, that in that space because they have to appeal to the whole world. Yeah. They make yeah. slightly different films. So are they, I'm not going to say for one moment they're disney but are they, are they in some way, you know, creating that generic story that they're going to push us into? When we've all grown up, Ollie and I have certainly grown up in a culture where there's a certain amount of independence of storytelling and then you right. reach right. out, like this film does. This film will, Sky have already said, is going to be bought by 100 countries. You know, mm. we didn't adapt it in one way to do yeah. that. Yeah. We told what we believe was a great story. And I think, I think you know, the, the streamers at the moment are great, but we'll, I still have the slight worry that they, they are now beginning to look at the algorithms very carefully. Uh, and, you know, will that, will that change the, mm. the quality of, uh, of documentary? I don't know is the answer. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. We have had a guest or two on who's, who have done films for one of the great, one of the streamers not to be named, uh, and have shared that, yeah, there are these elements. I think your your concerns or your points are, are well-founded. At the same time, maybe it's also being about agile and adaptable as a director or a filmmaker yourself. Because as one said, look, the streamer said, no, this is going to be the title. Or, we're, you know, because we've, whatever, we've market tested it and everything. And he basically took it and said, well, what about these three? You know, he kind of did something similar. And they, they kind of, there's a toing and froing that I think probably... Whereas we've had other ones who said, well, if that's what you want it to be, then yes, okay. If you say that this many more eyeballs will see it, if we title it that, then... I mean, this is a minor thing, titling the film, but... Well, I think I, you're I, right. You know, and I think, you know, it's just something that I'm aware of. I mean, there's, yeah. I don't want to knock them for one minute because we're, we're doing things to streamers right now, which we wouldn't yeah. be doing for anyone else. And they're thinking big and ambitiously creative and cinematic. So that is great. But, but it does worry me that you know, that the, there are conversations I know that other directors have had with me where they're making these films and they're being honed in a lot more. Now, yeah. is there a price to being honed in? Yes, of course. Is it yeah. honed in too much? Who knows? But but there is that worry, I think, uh, yeah. of, of, of trying to satisfy a global audience, which, you know, it's different. When I have a co-production between the BBC, let's say, and PBS, there are slight variations. Yeah. But once you're trying to actually appeal and hit beats... For, a, for an international, does it change? Well, Hollywood films do that, don't they? So yeah, they've got to be some yeah. way of, in between of, uh, of dealing with that. Well, with all this in mind, uh, one last question for you. Um, uh, Anthony, what's next for you? Um, well, I, I'm working on a, a number of uh, large-scale docs for streamers and other things that haven't been announced yet, so yeah. I have my head blown off if I... Uh, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> the usual story. I'm also working on on a number of projects which are exciting in the immersive space. So we're doing, you know, four or five really exciting big scale documentaries in, in different parts of the world that, that I think are really important, like, uh, you know, the Middle East. Mm. Uh, and we're working on some other very ambitious uh, projects as well. So I, I, what I like is working the same time and telling the stories big and bold on a big platform and a couple of cinema docs, yeah. but at the same time looking at these other platforms um mm. which which are really exciting i can tell yeah. you to, to to be working on and oliver what about you uh, i'm kind of uh, doing something slightly different which is a, a five-part series on uh how animals are changing and adapting 
to our shifting planet. Uh, and so it's looking at how the planet is shifting in terms of climate, population yeah. growth, uh, pollution, uh, but actually how we can see what's happening by following what the animals are doing and how they're responding and adapting and changing. So it's wow. quite a, a quite a different space, but but, but equally exciting. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, it does sound very interesting. And uh, are you at liberty to say any more than that, or we just uh, need I to? I don't think so at the moment. It has yeah. been. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, uh, can I thank both of you so much for uh, for coming on? It's been a it's been a thrill having you on. Really enjoyed talking about uh, about the film uh, Hawking. Can you hear me? Uh, which is. Uh, released on um, Sky Docs in September and is uh, available in the UK on Now TV and will be releasing worldwide in the months ahead. Uh, so both of you, if I haven't, haven't scared you off, uh, hopefully we can have you on again sometime. It's a very, uh, it's an exciting time and as you've already talked about to be in this field and uh, it's very interesting and I know our audiences would love to hear more. So thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. So just want to give another big thank you to Anthony Geffen and Oliver Twinch, the producer and director of Hawking, Can You Hear Me? Released on Sky Docs in September 2021 and can also be found on Now TV. Um, want to basically alert you to an exciting new collaboration we'll be announcing in the coming weeks with a leading film magazine, so please watch this space for more details. A shout-out to Sam and Joe at Intersound Audio here in Eskrick, England, which is just outside of York. And a big thanks to Nevin Apanovich, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting such great guests like Anthony and Oliver onto the show. And finally, a big thanks to our listeners. As always, we love to hear from you, so please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. And please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.